Welcome to Cinema Bushido. This episode, we're talking about the 1964 Sadoichi's Flashing Sword, starring Shintaro Katsu and directed by Kazuo Ikehiro. Uh, with me, as always, is the Shogun's favorite prostitute himself, Mr. Lee Van Cleef. How's it going, Lee? Hey, buddy. Every day is a holiday. How are you doing today? Excellent. Um, I'm bringing back kind of an older thing that we would do, and I'm going to ask, what are you drinking? Uh, benchmark, of well, course. You're still on that. Oh, I, dude, it's it's a staple now in my diet. You know, I found out recently, I didn't know this, but um, uh, Rebel Yell bourbon has been around for a long, long time. In fact, the song Rebel Yell by Billy Idol is based on getting drunk while drinking that particular bourbon. I don't believe you, but that sounds beautiful. It's true. I thought it was always the other way around, like, you know, the Rebel Yell people. Because, by the way, to, to anybody listening, the Rebel Yell brand is kind of a discount bourbon, but it's pretty tasty. Um, but yeah, I was thought, oh, that's kind of cheesy. Like they're based it on some 80s song and they obviously didn't base it on an 80s song at all. Um, Billy Idol's just a drunk. Well, and also that, you know, Rebel was a thing in the South to sure. Johnny Reb. But it, did see, it seemed contrived. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Like, what should we call it? Because, you know, it's Kentucky bourbon. Oh, let's call it Rebel Yell. But yeah, it's it's been around for like 100 years or something. Wow. It's, it's it, Well, whatever they're doing, don't stop because... Again, Rebel Yellow, great bar, uh, another great bourbon. Yeah, and like you said, like you know, it's it maybe not be as smooth as a Woodford. You know, I mean, you can get like a more artisanal small batch bourbon, but you can't get one for that price. I mean, that that is no, just amazing. It's it's like if you want just straight like the blended, it's like sixteen bucks where I where I go. But mm-hmm. I like the um, single batch rye, which is mm-hmm. twenty bucks, and it's delicious. Perfect. Yeah. It's like, you know, like uh, the compare them to cars. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, there are a lot better cars than a Corvette. But to this day, a Corvette is hands down one of the best cars you can buy. You know, they just consistently pump out reasonably affordable supercars. And it's the same with bourbon. These, I mean, I didn't know they were around that long, but God, it, when you see the price, you're like, this cannot be good. Right. And then you drink it and you're like, this is so overwhelmingly good. For, and then you're just stunned and you... I mean, it almost makes you want to do like one of the what people do with the wine where, you know, they bag up the wine and then everybody turns out to love the cheap wine and hate the, the really expensive stuff. Well, and it makes it's me want to do that. Yeah, because I mean, and it's, yeah, and you're right. And I had Benchmark recently and it's really a psychological thing because it's, it's, um, it's, um, it's made and aged in the same place as uh, which other more popular bourbon? Uh, something Buffalo, I can't remember. Oh, Buffalo Trace, exactly. Yeah. So you think, holy shit, this is awesome. But there's something psychological when I drink it. I'm like, no, no, it tastes like gas. It tastes like gas, but it doesn't. It's just like, no, okay. Like, you can't have $12, you know, Fifth of Bourbon or whatever. Yeah, it's like, it's like you know, when you find out that the store brand ibuprofen is made in the same factory <laughs> right. as Advil. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you have the right equipment, you really are just you know, fermenting and distilling and all that shit. So I don't know. Anyway. I'm really excited you brought this back. I've missed this. Yeah. I will, I will bring different eclectic, eclectic accoutrement. Yeah. Cause you can't just say the podcast. same thing every time. No, no, of course all not. Right. Well, I'm having not. this thing called Tanuki Saki and it's got Ooh. this, um, half dog, half raccoon on the front. And I'm just attracted to those kinds of things. I like, I like sex with animals, obviously, but also <laughs> I think raccoons are cute and, uh, you know, everybody loves dogs. Must I, thought love dogs. Re- I thought you were going to say you just like chimeras. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to go all full on bestiality. Wait, I didn't either until I realized what was coming out of my mouth. And then I was like, well, shit. 
I just did it. Yeah, it says the, the Tanuki, Japan's raccoon dog, is a beloved character in traditional Japanese culture. They have prince, uh, sorry, woodblock prince and folk songs. And he's a mischievous yet friendly character since the olden days. So it's making me feel a little fris- mischievous and I was going to say frisky, <laughs> especially right after. It's making me feel frisky. Okay. I feel like at this point, anyone anyone of within reason can say that if you weren't who you are now, you wouldn't mind being being born Japanese. Oh. You know, being being born and raised in Japan would probably be pretty freaking cool. And I think they're really aware of it, too. Except the one thing. I was I was leaving an open door for you to bury yourself, but okay. Thanks for not taking it. So <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, well, wait a minute. Is he talking about the weenuses? Or is he talking about the slant eyes? Or oh, you know, see? the fact that they oh, can't shit. play basketball? Oh, look at that. You buried yourself anyway. <laughs> They got blown up in I'm like, World I'm War like II. The one. Yeah, all, right. <laughs> all right. Well, this is Zadowichi number seven. We're doing. Um, here is the Internet Movie Database synopsis. Zadowichi is nursed back to health by a young woman after being shot by a gang member. Zadowichi, who had come to the village to repay a debt, now feels further indebted. He commits himself to using his amazing sword skills to help the young woman's father, whose river crossing service is under attack by the same gang responsible for Zadowichi's wounds. Um, if it, someone out there, one of our listeners, would do me a favor and go out to Internet Movie Database, find out who wrote that synopsis, and then find them and kick them in the nuts, I'd appreciate it, because that's a, just a terrible description. Um, but anyway, uh, directed by uh, Kazuo Ikehiro, like we said, and he's done three of these. He did Zadawichi and The Chest of Gold, followed by this one, Flashing Sword, and then finally Zadawichi's Pilgrimage, <laughs> Pilgrimage which is um, an awesome one. So, Lee, yeah, you decided you wanted to do this one out of all of them. Um, why did you do that, and what do you think? Yeah, and I thought, right when you were reading the synopsis, I was like, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right, I mean, he does get shot, and he's nursed back to health, and then, and I don't know. There's some, there's a she, lot of problems with it, but, yeah. She doesn't nurse him back to health. She pays for somebody to do that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just like the right off the bat. Like, what were you? Where were? You, what were you doing when you wrote the synopsis? Because you weren't watching the movie. Miss Cooney uh, does not nurse. Yeah, Miss Cooney yeah. lowered some of her people. That's right, and and you know she's she's absolutely a sweetheart. I mean, I love the way that they they can kind of give us the same kind of tropes over and over again in characters, but you can't get enough of it. You're just like. You just can't. St- it's like uh, it's like when Ichi was eating the rice out of the bowl, and she leaves for a second. He just starts oh, piling right. it on. It's the same concept. I just can't get enough of the tropes, you know. I, yeah. Even, even, even though you kind of know the tropes going to happen, it just it's just never happens enough. Right, and it is it's very contrived. Um, you know, he has the money. He's a gambler. He he robs people all the time and murders entire rooms of people because he has money. But he's still just like oh, you know, like he's fucking starving. I'm waiting for the Ichi where he like picks the gold uh, pouches from the dead. Right. That's the one I want. And also sets fire to something. I want Ichi to like mm. start setting fire to buildings. I feel like that would just really just that would be the grand slam. That's his kryptonite. I fire. I know. Yeah, I, I remember. Remember that one. What was the one where they tried to trick him into going into the the woods and yeah, set fire on him? Exactly. I think that's a festival of fire. Believe it or not. Uh, uh. Or just well, make sense. Mean, yeah, yeah it, it sounds great, you know. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, the, this movie was really a little bit different. Um, I wrote down the director's name. 
Um, I was really, I was really stunned by the visuals. Uh, in a way, it felt kind of like it, some of the scenes felt like a uh, like something I might see from a Hollywood movie from the '60s. And then there was just a lot of like artistic shots, like sh- scenes that are shot from above. Or at a distance in a certain way. And, you know, we don't really... Outside of Katano's Zatoichi, we, I haven't really seen that in a lot of Zatoichis. So I really appreciated that. The The story was a little bit different. Um, it didn't feel as much like the traditional Zatoichi film. So this isn't one that I would recommend... If you're, like, you're going to recommend a Zatoichi to someone, I would not recommend this one. This should be something that should be taken after you've, like... You know, you've had all the other sushi... And then you take the the little ginger to cleanse your palate, and then you're gonna have like the sushi that the kid behind the desk has made his own kind, kind of sushi, you know, to really appreciate what sushi is, you know, or to appreciate what Zatoichi is. But I, I mean, you can't not watch this movie. Um, it, it, it takes a long time, but when you finally do get to uh, death is a crowd sur- surfer named Zatoichi, it's it's just as delicious as always. Um, and it's it's funny. It's a, it, it relies a lot on comedy, and sometimes it's kind of out of place and out of tone. But overall, it, it, you, this was probably maybe not as good as the other Ichis we've reviewed, but it's definitely better than most things you're going to watch. Oh, yeah. I don't think there is a bad Ichi. Um, well, we'll start from the beginning. So this one starts out great. It's uh, Zanoichi is just it's a really beautiful shot from above looking down in a room. Zanoichi's all lazed out, laying across, and he's he's eating some rice. And there are these flies bothering the hell out of everyone. And, and he just, uh, at one point, like, they're all kind of looking at him like he's a dick or whatever. I don't think they know what to think of him. But he just goes ahead and kills all the flies. And they all fall down <laughs> to the tatamis. And it was like, oh, okay, so that's how we're starting this. So uh, right away, I'm like, holy crap, this is going to be the stuff. And yeah. um, that was, like, the most sword play that we're, <laughs> <sword play that we're going to get. <laughs> Um, for a long time, actually. So, yeah, he gets shot at a river. Um, Miss Cooney uh, goes ahead and helps him out. So, you know, he's he's ready to rock. Um, and then, yeah, he just it's a, we get a little bit of a trek over to a town. And we're meeting some people. And there's a lot of comedy. This one is, like, packed with funny, funny scenes. Yeah, you know, one of the things I kind of thought of was uh, he's laying on all the mats. You notice that? Like, he's laying and everything. He's laying. I was wondering if, like, at first I thought, are they trying to kill him or mm-hmm. are they pissed that he's laying on all the sleeping Right, mats? see, uh, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, I thought they wanted to kill him, but I think you may have just found a, a subtlety. Like, he was just inadvertently being a douche. <laughs> well, I mean, and and then uh, you're you're right. We didn't you, you When you first see that, you're like, oh, this is going to be really nitty-gritty. This is going to be the, the, you know, when he goes full, you know, full on hardcore. Right. And instead it's like really sweet. Uh, you know, the kids are the candy thing. Um, it, there's a, you know, usually when you see Zatoichi with kids, it's like, oh, okay. But they kind of get, they always kind of get the best of Ichi's good nature. But like on this one, he's like, he's buying candy for the kids. And then he hears like a, a roaring crowd of like prepubescent a chatter. You know, and and he's like, how many kids are there? And the guy's like, um, and you know, it's so weird to see Ichi, like, like Ichi's always under distress in the beginning. Like, there's always somebody coming at him. And it's so weird to see him, like, with the sun on his face and he's all happy and he's buying kids candy. It fell out of place. And then when he hears how many kids are buying candy, he's like, holy crap, you know. And knowing Uh, what we know about him with his uh, spidey vision, you know, or whatever, he would have known how many kids there were. He can hear somebody sneaking up on him like across a field 
Yeah. So for that, like two things, they were things that bothered me, but I think it's because we're seven movies in. Like the first movie, we had a lot of fucking carnage and they're setting the stage. But this is like, they're like, maybe some people need to smile this time. You know, they're putting out two of these a year. They're like, let's let's make this a little more uh, Jim Carrey and a little less to uh, to Mufune. But yeah. uh, but yeah, what I was gonna say is yeah, he couldn't, he didn't know that. Like, which I thought, what. You can't hear that there are like eight other kids next to you, you blind idiot. And then um, the part that follows. What, what part was that? Oh, so yeah, he buys the lollipops and then the kid's like, thank you so much. Oh, by the way, be careful up here over the bridge. There's a big hole. You'll fall in it. He's like, ha ha, you dirty little brats. I'm on to you. The hole's on the other side. And then, of course, he doesn't even use his cane the way he's supposed to to feel in front of him. He just does this weird wonky walk until he falls in the hole. And it was a hole the size of a man. It was just like, <laughs> wait, okay, comedy. I get it. Thanks, guys. And normally it's always the opposite. People are always trying to fuck with him and he's too smart. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It fell out of place. I, I mean, there was a couple scenes like that. I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite com- comedy scenes was... um the guy who helped him cross the river the first time. Yeah. He, uh, you know, obviously, uh, our boy is, you know, he's a big dude. He's, you know, he's stocky, <laughs> you know, and the guy carrying him across is really petite, you know, so, and he looks like he's struggling, you know, and then, Oh, he was, uh, that was great. <laughs> and then he goes to pay him and he's like about my change. And the guy's like, Oh, I can keep it. He's like, no, I'd like my change. I like you my know? change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he's got his hand out in a certain way. It's just so funny. So then when he's going back across the ford again a second time, people are like, I'll carry you, I'll carry you. He's like, no, no. And they're like, you're pretty picky for a blind guy. And the other guy that he was trying to avoid him had like kind of gone up to the side <laughs> so he wouldn't pick him. And he just keyed right in on him like he could smell him or something, you know. And then he's like, he's like, I would like you to carry me across. And the guy's like, again and he carries him across and then he's like uh he's like my about my change he's like yeah i know you want it he's like no you can keep it and the guy's like ah lit up but i was i was just you know that's something we don't see very often in each movie that i thought was pretty funny but overall i mean let's be real it was all about the deaths it was all about the it was all about the vengeance and the vengeance and and the vengeance in this one is just it's really good at the end yeah yeah the first bit of action we get is um when he uh, <laughs> he uh, hits all the assholes with the book hand, um, which I thought was good. But it was another out-of-character situation for Ichi because he actually let these dudes kind of manhandle him, push him down mm-hmm. on the mat, yeah. knocked his cane out. I'm like, really? Like, there's kind of a, a point where I, he's he should be afraid enough for his life that he doesn't, like, mess around like that. But in the same respect, when he did finally say, okay... He actually has a great line, and it could easily have been one of my favorite scenes in this. But he said, could you... He does like, I don't want to just keep getting hit over and over again. Could you all attack me at once? <laughs> the like, guy's like, you really have a lip on you. Yeah, he's like, dude, you're a dick. He's like, let's bring it on. Yeah, so of course he dispatches them quickly. I like it in the beginning when they're fucking him with him. He's like, you want to cross swords with a blind man? <laughs> yeah. Know? He's like pointing out how like absurd it is. And then Japanese Joe Montaigne is just like watching, you know, in the back. <laughs> and the whole time I'm thinking, you guys are all dead. I feel really bad for you. So that was something I, I really didn't like either was that he let him live. Because right. that's, that's a no-no. They, you don't get to live. Yeah, they shouldn't live. And yeah, and also, really, what kind of... Uh, you have zero honor. You're going to actually like... Who kills a blind man? <laughs> Who beats a blind man half to death with 
wooden swords. I don't know. I'm like, fuck you guys. Yeah, that was definitely death sentence. The one constant is that the dialogue is always really good in these movies. Yeah. You know, you can't, if you, you know, obviously we don't speak the language, but from what it's translated to, it's really funny all the time. I agree. And I think they, I think they put like special effort into making sure that we get a good translation. Um, That said, um, I think, I feel like you you said it, cinematography, terrific. Um, The dialogue was good. Just a couple small flaws around his character. And you only know those, those things if you really know. Oh, precisely. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's the formula, but it kind of would deviates a little mm-hmm. bit on this one. Another really funny scene that I thought was within the Zichi formula was everybody's like looking through the fence. Oh, like, what are you looking through for? And he's like, I'm blind. You're blind. He's like, well, it makes me feel like I can see. And they're like, well, they're, they're being dicks to him about the fact that he can't see. And so then he yells that they're all peeping at a woman taking a bath. And they all run away, and I was just cracking up. I was like, that's that's awesome. That was great. It was like a community of perverts, because they're all yeah. like, yeah, let's all get boners together. Check this yeah. out. Straight back to Porky's. I don't know if you ever saw that back <laughs> yes. in the 80s. Yeah. The hole in the wall. Yeah, the hole in the wall, exactly. I'm like, really, guys? Really? <laughs> really? In ancient before... Japan. <laughs> yeah, before internet porn. And before you internet porn. That's, that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. And I, I did love that, that he just walked up. Because at first he wasn't judging. It wasn't until they were kind of being a dick to him. Then he was like, oh, all right, well. Yeah. And, and of course, there's a, it's a classic thing, too, that's in um, in these. The moment he said, I'm a masseuse, like to anybody who doesn't understand, that means he is by definition blind. Blind, yeah. Yeah, they, that she's like, oh, oh, cool. Well, then, yeah, come and see me later. <laughs> <I'll>, yeah. <laughs> I'll take one of your <laughs> shitty massages. <laughs> and then while he's massaging her, he's like, you must be really close to the magistrate. You're really tight right here. And he's like rubbing on her hip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that he's always so shitty at, at his job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think only in one or two out of 26 films did anybody ever say, oh, that feels so much better on my shoulder. In fact, there's a classic one, the one we watched, right? Challenge. Where he runs up to three guys and he dislocates their shoulders oh, yeah. with his massage skills. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. The you, the shitty Yakuza in the bathhouse are being cunts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, then how do you like this? <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I thought the most, the, the first time I ever saw him do a massage was Zadoichi Challenged. And uh, he does it on the samurai, and it was like the worst looking massage I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's like you're uh, grabbing, like you're <laughs> making dough or something. Yeah, like kneading dough, exactly. <laughs> That's a perfect analogy. Like, it just, yeah, it doesn't even look like he's trying. <laughs> I'm like, come on, dude, I can't remember his name, the actor, but come on, at least put a little effort into the massage. Yeah. He, he probably did like 100 takes and doesn't care anymore. <laughs> Yeah, well, not to mention, Shinto Katsu is like, I'm never going to learn how to do this, guys. Like, I get it's part of my character. I just, I mean, what is a massage anyway? It's just grabbing a man's arm over and over again, right? Yeah, like, isn't that it? <laughs> yeah, but you could see him kind of getting a little frisky with that one. Oh, she, yeah, she was, this, she was this episode, yeah. Yeah, it was hot. All right, help me out with some notes here. I have a note. I wrote this down. <laughs> Um, it's right after this section. Uh, I wrote down pure vandalism with the food. Oh, so, okay. So, um, after he does the massage, right. like he's getting pissed off about the fact that they're scheming against the other guy, the other mm-hmm. boss. And, uh, and so like, 
after after he's done so he he starts roughing up the girl like physically which is something he'd never do he always plays it right. on the sly yeah and then uh and then so she's like i'm not paying you and porky the pig's like well you're not getting paid and then one of the helpers is like just brings him like the oh shit okay yes keep going this is the best scene he takes like a little sardine and he can sneeze like <laughs> smelling it and he's like, it, it looked it looked horrible and so then he like i don't know like at first i was like he should just fuck that place up and burn it but instead what he does is he like he takes out the rice and he just starts like dropping it around the sitting area in the kitchen <laughs> and then like rubbing it on the wooden walls and stuff and throwing food everywhere and then he walks over to like i think it's a, a, an actual water uh, a, like a container of water and he just like starts it's in the distance it's in the foreground and he just starts like sh- just like uh, ladling water everywhere just totally fucks that room up and then just walks away i hope it was sake or something because yeah, yeah something stinky but yeah it was so beautiful like he's just so pissed that he didn't get paid and he didn't deserve yeah. to be paid he was really just being a dick but yeah then he just goes ahead and he destroys the place i've never seen that before ever he's actually taking <laughs> food and rubbing it on the walls and stuff. <laughs> oh well, shit it's the perfect juxtaposition to the other household right yeah Where they treat him like gold yeah you know and he's like, I'll chop wood. I, I want to remember, remember I, I think one of the things I really found endearing is, is that first of all, like this movie, I mean, it's only, I don't know, like an, I don't know, like an hour and a half, you know, it's, they're all like an hour and a half, but you feel like you got a lot of story out of this one for an hour and a half. Like you feel like the characters at least, you know, and like his summer kimono, how excited he was. Oh, that was so cool. Yeah. I was like, it's really his stealth kimono. They don't realize that. But, uh, yeah, it was so cool to see him, like... It was so cool to see Ichi not be Ichi, in a sense. But it the problem with this movie, if you're, like, a big fan, is that outside of a few scenes, there's not a lot of bloodshed until the very end. But the, then the death just never stops. Like, well, let's start with that, should. then. Let's go with your favorite scene first, because... Um... I have a scene of action that, of course, is yeah. going to be my favorite scene. <laughs> and you, yeah. you are going to be so mad. I'm going to steal this from you. You do, you do what you need to do. There is a shot that's above head. It's like up top about, I don't know, I'd say about seven or eight feet above them. Maybe maybe even more because of how wide angle it is. And he's he's already killed all the lights and he's in he's in a hallway. He's already getting vengeance at this point. Um, if for anyone uh, who's familiar with the movie, basically the one boss is the worst bad guy of all time and it kills the, everybody, every male in the in the good boss's side. And they had already gotten Zatoichi to leave, so Ichi wasn't there to defend them. And so he comes back to get his vengeance. And um, he's in this hallway and he's fighting these dudes and he's just creeping along and it reminded me of um, Old Boy. And the way that the shot is, it's just done continuously. And he's just dispatching four dudes uh, in this really narrow hallway. And it's like just how quick it is and how clean it is and how it feels really real, you know. Sands a bunch of blood squirting everywhere. It was pretty realistic looking. And I thought, man, this whoever directed this was just amazing. Yeah, no, exactly. That is That is one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen. I always have a backup. I always have a backup. But that yeah, was beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, all right, I go for the river then. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yeah, it's so good. It's just so cheesy. I called. I put in my notes. I put the shark. <laughs> yes, that's what I. Yeah, I put Jaws. Yeah, Jaws. You know he, uh, he he's getting surrounded by these guys, and he just sort of gets in the. He's in the water, and he he in order to make them come and get him, he sort of goes a little further back. Well, it's just classic. He goes underwater, and while submerged, he kills everybody. 
I was like, oh, well, thank you very much. Yes, I did. I definitely needed to see Ichi the shark. So that was pretty cool and my favorite part is is like when it first when he gets on the water i'm like oh yeah this is gonna be brilliant and then they, you know why they, you were thinking of lone wolf and cub i know and, exactly and he's the, got the water yeah, style his bro yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then he, he and then you like he he dunks down and it looks like something really cheesy from the 60s from hollywood you know and he's like he's like he's like it's like like you said it's like jaws and he just he just goes in there, he cuts him down, and then what's cool is that like none of them respond to the fact that he's gone underwater outside of looking for him into the water. <laughs> and then and then like as soon as the last guy goes down, he comes up really slowly. And like if you hadn't seen the if you had just seen like him go down and everybody go down in a split second yeah. and him come up, it would have been super cool. Oh, this if yeah, if he were a little more sophisticated with it, it would have been like yeah. No, it was really good, though. That's why it was yeah. a backup scene, because really that... I mean, I love so much of the... So the end of this movie... So after that, um, we get into a point where uh, they banish Ichi. They're like, well, you gotta leave, and you don't get to see the fireworks and all this shit. And you, he says, well, whatever, I'm gonna put on my summer kimono anyway. And he gets dressed, and he's taken off. It's sort of that intermediate period before pure revenge... <laughs> But then it comes time for pure revenge. So yeah, I loved it. Uh, he goes to this. Uh, he goes to uh, Bunkinichi's house, or Bunkiichi. Yeah, it is Bunkiichi. Bunkiichi's house, and he kills just about everyone. And no, yeah. I thought Boss Bunkiichi was the good guy, and then the guy who's like, I forgot what the other guy's name was. The bad guy, Porky the Pig. Oh, sorry, you're right. Uh, it was um, Yasugoro. Sorry, my notes are yeah. exactly opposite. Right. So he goes, and yeah, he he murders and murders and murders. Well, what I thought was really cool was the way that they showed just the absolute carnage that the bad guys do to the whole whole household, the whole good guys. And in fact, I would have actually been okay with the movie if if like the like if the whole movie was like it had cut off there, and like the story was that you know because you kicked Ichi out your out your household, here here's you know you, everybody's dead. You know, yeah, that the, is the classic, right? It's like, oh, well, your protector's gone, so now we're not gonna like. I mean, for some reason, Cooney was left alive and her sister or whatever, but yeah, yeah, like, and what would have been really, really good is if like they had like Cooney had like been disgraced, you know, and then come to Ichi, found Ichi on the road, or Ichi found her on the road, mm-hmm. and then get his revenge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like, I mean, that's like, um, um, what's the, the Unforgiven or something? You know, it's like, click. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really sad because the good guy, the good boss, is actually a really good dude, you know. It's very, it's very clear in the way he treats people and the way he behaves. And he's got a really cunty son that he's still trying to take care of, and 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 like it's funny because the the bad guy's like, oh, you're harboring a fugitive, you're har- harboring Zatoichi, and it's like I just assume that that guy is Zatoichi. Like, how can you prove he's Zato? He doesn't have yeah. a driver's license, you know, and he doesn't even question it. He just goes with it. I thought that was kind of like, yeah, like there were points in the movie where that was like, ah, yeah. I don't know. It's like the the whole honor and friendship thing, like. Because Bunkichi and Yasugoro were friends, somehow Yasugoro's kind of getting pushed around to make decisions that he didn't want to make. And then, of course, it's like, ha ha, I fooled you, you dick, and now I'm going to kill your whole fucking family. It's like, wait, <laughs> what? If I knew that was what it was, I probably wouldn't have been so trustful. Yeah. So trusting. 
You know, and I thought Joe Montaigne, the Japanese Joe Montaigne, was going to be the super bad guy. Yeah. Oh, here's a... And instead it was uh, Porky the Pig with the yeah. tooth missing out the front. That was just a total douche, man, the whole time. All right, help me out with another note, because um, this is important to me. I said fake Toshiro Mifune. Who was that? Oh, that's Japanese Joe Montaigne. Okay, yeah. so you have a different name for him. So, I, yeah, I thought he was, he was uh, trying desperately hard to be Mifune. Oh, in his mannerisms, yeah, because he's like trying to be cool. He's, he's doing like be... the scratchy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but but he sounded just like Joe Montana. He kind of had those uh... eyes, that gaze, you know. And he was kind of like a little mobster. When I watch it know? again, I'm going for Joe Montana. Yeah, he was he was definitely funny. Uh, I'm, I I love the way they die. Yeah, like because they're like they get paid and they're like, well, who fuck who wants to go after Ichi? Got paid, <laughs> right? Which isn't the first one of these they do that. Very often it's like, oh, well, we have money and Ichi's not going to kill us unless we attack him, so let's just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> the instincts kick in, but it's already too fucking late. Yeah, let's go to Village Two and drink sake. <laughs> yeah. Much better plan. And instead, Ichi shows up and he's like, "Is everything you said true? You're yeah. fucking dead." Yeah, I like that he smelled the dude who shot him. Mm-hmm. I just love that. Yeah, I don't know. You don't fuck with Ichi. Yeah, he had it coming, dude. And his death scene was probably the best in the whole movie because it's like they they show they show like the uh, the paper window just soaked in blood, like a jet stream of blood, and then it opens and there's what's his kind right there, at, and the whole household got just massacred and and I thought the massacre was pretty good because they normally don't give us that kind of a that kind of a delivery usually usually it's like oh the gambling house is trying to fuck with somebody right, or exactly they're they're raping somebody or trying to take over a town and instead like they murder this whole household and then Ichi finds out and he's like oh what yeah yeah it was it was it was great and yeah. uh, I, I I think uh, another thing that they that they really hit on over and over again was like that not all yakuza are bad right he's like no you give yakuza a bad name you're supposed to let the common folk buy on the road let them have the leeway and keep your head down and be you are a bad guy you're an underworld guy but you're but you have a a code and you violate that code Mm -hmm. well you remember from one of our top six challenges uh, that was that was one of the questions it was like uh, it, it it came down to this: the modern day yakuza are still the ones um, that donate to like relief funds and and the bad shit that happens when the government's like not stepping up for themselves. You know, yeah. they're like, well, we're a little better than the rest of you, but also we like to chop off our fingers when we <laughs> make mistakes and kill people. Yeah. That's just to piss people off. Okay. Uh, anyway so number seven we'll eventually get through all 26 of these i think this must be the fifth one we've done so far in two years of cinema bushido yeah well this one was uh definitely worth it like and obviously the titular scene with the blade and Mm. the the candle yes really well done yeah really well the final scene i love that like of course because that it is his line right like i live in darkness so but yeah cutting down the candles making everyone fight in the dark and guess who wins the summer kimono. Yeah, the summer kimono. The, the stealth kimono. Because we get to see him kind of be like James Bond, you know? <laughs> He's like sneaking into the compound for once. Because usually he just rolls right in, right? right? You know? Yeah. No, this one he's like he's sneaking around there, and like I like the fact that when they're fighting him in the hallway, they they're like banging their swords against the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't you understand that he knows exactly what you're doing by the vibrations? In the <laughs> right, air? like he's like, got it. Yeah, and now he knows exactly where you're at. <laughs> he's 
Yeah, he knows he knows exactly where the blade is, uh-huh. what part of the blade is hitting. You just hooked spot. him up. Yeah. <laughs> Best thing you could do is bathe really well and yeah. sneak in naked and tiptoe, and then maybe you might get a knife in the back. But yeah, all this noise making, at least for the really two. But, all right, so are you ready for your top six? Always ready, buddy. Well, I think you like this. Uh, your top six challenge, since Satoichi um, technically didn't get to stay for the fireworks, but he did get to see them. Uh, let's light some fireworks now, and this is going to be a fireworks trivia challenge. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right, fair enough. We'll see. All right. You're too shady, you, sir. That's clever. <laughs> uh, number one, when approximately were fireworks invented? I'm going to say around... 700 AD in China. Very, you got that. You got it. It's somewhere between 200 BC and 900 AD. So you're like dead center. That would call that actually the almost oh. a, almost a perfect answer. Like I mean, me, yeah. if you, I mean, I would have taken anything within that realm. But you were almost dead center. Well, I I didn't know they. I mean, I knew that they had gunpowder for a while, but I didn't know they made fireworks in 200 BC. Yeah, so fireworks Dude. have been used to mark important celebration of festivals, uh, whatever. Um, and obviously, it was China. Okay, first one down. Damn, killing it already. Okay, this one is uh, interesting. I could not have answered this, but uh, what are the original ingredients in fireworks? In other words, today you might have a bunch of shit, but what was like a classic, freaking. You're going to need saltpeter, sulfur, and, well, no, because salt, yeah, I'm going to go, well, no, I'm not going to say, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to stick with it because I can't, I, that's the only thing I can think of. So saltpeter, sulfur, and uh, I don't know. Wow, you get that. I think you get it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> listeners, you can just send me a message if you think I'm full of shit. But it's um, saltpeter, sulfur, and charcoal. Oh, charcoal. Okay, and, that makes sense. But I think the sulfur and the saltpeter would do it, right? But then what is the charcoal doing? Like holding it all together? Probably. I don't know if if the charcoal, what the charcoal's purposes are from a chemistry standpoint. All right. Uh, I apologize. I don't know. But I know, I know you definitely have to have saltpeter and sulfur for yeah. gunpowder. Yeah. Oh, so you were just giving me gunpowder. Well, no. Well, gunpowder came off of what we learned about Chinese... Um, fireworks. Like fireworks. Basically, what happens is is that the Chinese had been blowing stuff up to celebrate, and we were like, you know what's really great? Is if you put this with <laughs> What if I could propel lead <laughs> at someone and murder them? <laughs> <laughs> the earliest gunpowder was used as a siege weapon. So yeah. like, they were like, yeah. oh, your walls are really thick. Guess what we got? We got balls that were shooting with gunpowder. Imagine the first great. guy, he watches a firework go off, and everyone's like, oh, that was delightful. And he's like, what if I had a really big one that could <laughs> blow the fuck out of something? What if I had a trebuchet but better? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway. Um, at first, fireworks were only orange and white. Why is that? Or or how did they... Yeah, just go with that. The, the, the question is how pretty they much... they them? They were that. So how, how did we get past that? How did we dye them? Yeah. Um, or how did, how did we come up with colors? Hmm. Um. I don't know. They asked the the gay guys in the village how that <laughs> <bad> color. Ah, uh, hello. <laughs> that orange and white looks stupid. <laughs> well, in 1830. So picture this: 
fireworks were the same up until the 1800s. Well, that would suck. Italy uh, figured out if you added different salts or different uh, metallic powders hmm. in there, when it burned, it would be a different color. Well, that's pretty cool. And they say the hardest color to create is blue. Oh, that's pretty cool. Gentlemen! <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Italy in the 1830s. They were like all hopped up on, on bread. <laughs> you know, my, Pasta. You know... They're like fat on their <laughs> pasta. They're like, this fucking orange and white firework looks like a turd. <laughs> I've eaten eight bowls of pasta. I want to see some green. And then they were like, ah. Added in a little boron. I don't know. I, I had no idea Italy was full of sodomites. <laughs> You're a bad man. Number four. Who is rumored to have first brought fireworks from China to Europe? Oh, that's easy. Marco Polo. Yeah, damn. I Actually, even had it. I, I had it as number four in case you needed to hint about number three, like you know, Italy. Actually, actually, I think uh, he he. May, I think actually, there. I can't remember if it's mentioned in the book, fourteen thirty four. But basically, there's historical evidence that when the Chinese they sailed like a fleet around the world in the four, in the early fourteen hundreds. There's it, um, and they there's uh, there's an argument that they started the Renaissance before Marco Polo even left. Mm. Um, by transferring knowledge to the Europeans. Um, you know why? But... He was always in that fucking swimming pool. <laughs> he just couldn't get out. They're like <laughs> yelling at him to get out can, of the pool, but he wouldn't. Can you imagine like a bunch of Vietnamese invading the United States and mm. instead of looking for Charlie, they're looking for Marco? Right. You know, Marco. Yeah. Yeah. We, was, we was always looking for a guy named Charlie. I love that. That's the only thing I remember from... Uh, from uh, Forrest Gump. We was always <laughs> looking for a guy named Charlie. <laughs> that was such a good one. Okay, well, anyway, yeah, it was Marco Polo. Italian merchant and traveler Marco Polo is believed to have brought fireworks from China to Europe in around the year 1295. Starting the global spread oh, of his, his sparkling uh, invention. 12, 1295? Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, then I'm wrong. 1434 wouldn't, wouldn't apply. Yeah. Yeah. There's your answer. Okay, so so far you have three of the six, so one more and you're the winner. Or the, I think the old rules is you needed three, but... But we're changing them now. Yeah, I get you. I don't care. Both yeah, me... You are, you're kicking ass, so enjoy. You've only missed one so far. This one, you can't win. <laughs> how, many, how many fireworks were blowed up in the world record-setting event in Portugal in 2006. So somebody was trying to set a world record, so they blew up a shit ton of them. Can you guess how many? I'm going to say 1,500. It was 66,326. Oh, shit! Yeah. Those those Portugalians. At some point, like, when are old people's, like, dentures just, like, rattling out of their face? <laughs> Got all these footballers out there <laughs> bouncing the ball. You know, when you do, like, the self-dribble, like a hacky sack. They're like, oh, oh shit, what's happening? Oh, my football is falling off my foot. Oh, you know what's fucked up is when you have dogs. And you yeah. and they set off their really nice ones near your dogs. You're like, ah, oh, this is bullshit. I don't know. This is an actual factual thing. There are no dogs in Portugal. They just no, don't have them. Yeah. Me. Yes, they do. No, they don't. They have no dogs. Don't they have, like, didn't they invent, like, the skipper key dog? No, there's, like, a law, like, them? there. You can't have, uh, like, a pet dog. Like, they miss that. They probably have wild dogs or something. But you yeah. can't have a dog in Portugal. That's crazy. I don't believe you, but uh, that's interesting if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's totally true. Yeah. I said it. Yeah. 
Okay, your final one. So I guess this is the t- the the question that's going to send you home. Did you win the Tupsix Challenge? And it's a good one. What is the Japanese word for fireworks? Oh, hanabe. Yeah. Yeah, that the, one I know because of you. Mm-hmm. The word for firework in Japanese, hanabi, actually means fire flower. Hanabi. Ooh. Ooh. We Say love you, Katsu. I said Katsu. <laughs> we, we do love you, Katsu. We love you, Katano. And yeah. stay badass. Yeah, dude. Katano's Zatoichi still... Man, I watched, it, I watched it the other day, actually. It's magic. <laughs> it is magic. Especially when you're drunk and you want to see somebody die. Yeah, check out our episode on that. Because I came in, I watched it in 2001 when it came out. And I was a little bit like, "Mm, you're not really, like, giving Ichi the respect he deserves. But he wasn't trying. He was doing his own thing. And and it's a beautiful fucking movie. Beautiful movie. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lee. Oh, my pleasure, buddy. Guess I should say, uh, if, if you're listening to this and it's the first time... Go to ScreenMayhem.com and you'll find all sorts of awesome stuff. And if you're listening again, I'm not going to bore you by describing all the awesome stuff. Just go out there. Until next time.